Welcome to a special episode of the In Grey Highlands podcast. The Grey Highlands Chamber of Commerce has again generously hosted an all-candidates meeting, this time for the provincial candidates in the June 2022 election in Ontario. We were there to record everything at the Flesherton Kinplex and hope this IGH special captures the detail and flavour of the evening. Your host is the President of the Chamber, Karen Cox. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Provincial All-Candidate Forum presented by the Grey Highlands Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber is the voice of the local business community and is committed to the enhancement of economic prosperity in our community. I'm Karen Cox, the President of the Grey Highlands Chamber of Commerce. First off, I would like to thank all of the candidates for attending this evening. We are so fortunate to have all nine of the candidates running for the riding of Bruce Gray on sound with us this evening. And I would also like to thank you, the audience, for coming out to meet the candidates, to learn more about them, to listen to the candidates' answers to the questions, and to hear their views. And lastly, to hear about the election platforms of each of the political parties. And I encourage everyone to get out and vote on June 2nd or at the advance polls when they are open. So to give you the format for this evening, all candidates will be given the opportunity to provide opening remarks, up to two minutes. They can be less than two minutes, but no more than two minutes. So when the candidate has 15 seconds left in their time, turn it around, okay, that sign will be raised. At the end of the candidate's time, a stop sign will be raised, and then a bell will ring. Then I will thank the candidate, and if they continue speaking, their mic will be cut off, and Dave over there will give you a mic shock. <laughs> So I trust that everyone will be respectful this evening. The second part of this evening's program is the first round of questions. These questions were formulated and comprised from the common themes that became evident from the submissions by the Chamber Board and its members. The second round of questions will be from you, the audience, which you have submitted tonight. We probably won't be able to present all the questions that have been submitted. So the Chamber will review the questions to select those with the maximum impact and of maximum interest. Then we will have the closing remarks from each of the candidates to finish the formal part of our program by 9 p.m. tonight. From 9 to 9.30, we will have the meet and greet with the candidates at their tables, which are around the perimeter of the room. Earlier this evening, the candidates drew numbers to randomly set the order for this evening. The candidate that drew number one will be the first up for opening remarks. Then we will continue numerically to all the candidates have spoken. In the next round, we will be starting with the candidate that went second and continue so forth. So the candidate that will be starting off the opening remarks first and drew the number one is Joel Laheed of the None of the Above Party. So Joel, can you kick us off? Hello, everybody hear me okay? 
Yeah, thanks, thanks very much. So my name is Joel Lohead, um, sometimes pronounced Lohead, but uh, pronounced Lohead, actually. Uh, and I'm from the none of the above party. Um, I live just up the road in Kimberley uh, with my wife, Frances, and uh, we have a 15-month-old son whose name is Calvin, and he's a little terror and a beautiful little handful. Um, and uh, normally, I'm a wine and cider maker. That's my, uh, that's my job, and I'm finding myself this, here this evening as a sort of... Uh, surprised politician. I didn't expect myself to be in this position this evening, but um, I wanted to participate in this election. I've participated in every other election uh, that I've been able to since I was 18 years old. And this time around, I didn't think I was going to. I didn't feel like I had anybody to vote for. Um, so I was actually going to abstain or spoil my ballot. Um, instead, I was approached to represent the none of the above party, uh, which gives you an option to vote for an alternative. So an alternative form of government uh, that is collaborative rather than divisive and uh, independent and uh, cooperative uh, rather than sticking to party lines and party mandates. Um, so uh, I thank you very much for coming this evening. Um, I encourage you to uh, speak to me afterwards and I'd love to speak to you more about some of these ideas. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you very much again for, for coming this evening. Okay, thank you, Joel. Next up is Suzanne Coles of the Ontario Party. Thank you very much. First of all, I'd like to thank the Chamber for hosting this event this evening and to all of you for attending today. Thank you very much. My name is Suzanne Coles and I'm running with the Ontario Party. Very brief background, I started off my career as a social worker in the city of Toronto working with sexually abused and high-risk teenagers. I then went on to study nursing, specializing in obstetrics and gynecology, and then ending up working in long-term care. I've done retail management and a few other jobs, and then in my 40s, I went back to school to study law, and I'm a paralegal licensed by the Law Society of Ontario. For the first six years of my career, I had a defense practice throughout Ontario, and for the last six years, I have been a prosecutor, provincial offenses prosecutor, both with the Ministry of the Attorney General in the region of Halton, and most recently for the last two and a half years with the Gray County as their provincial offenses prosecutor. I have a wide range of skills, knowledge, and understanding of a wide variety of people in our community. And it gives me a, quite the edge, I think, in order to be able to understand the needs and the requirements of the individuals in our community and to be able to assist them in the best possible way. The Ontario Party is a fairly new party, although it was started in 2018. It didn't get taken off the ground until this year when Derek Sloan became the leader and took it off the ground. We are a truly conservative party. Our party is based on true conservative foundations, and we are a party that are going to make a difference going forward for the province of Ontario. Not like the conservatives that are currently um, in Ontario and who are aligned so tightly with Trudeau that voting for them would be voting for Trudeau. And I look forward to your support and I thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Suzanne. Next up is Selwyn Hicks of the Liberal Party. Good evening, everyone. I want to thank the Chamber of Commerce for organizing this event. Uh, I'm Selwyn Hicks, and I'm your Liberal candidate. I'm a lawyer from Hanover, Ontario, where my wife is also a lawyer. She's here in the room. Uh, we operate uh, a small uh, law office. 
I have four children, and we've been married 25 years. I was first elected in Hanover uh, in 2006, and I've been serving since that time as a councillor and deputy mayor. I also served two terms as a county councillor, and I'm currently on leave while uh, serving my third term as the warden for the county of Gray. I'm running in this election to restore hope and dignity for people in Bruce Gray, Owen Sound, who are struggling. I want to restore dignity for the poor who spend 70 or 80 percent of their income on housing alone, and they're constantly worried about how they're going to make, make ends meet. I want to restore dignity for small business owners who are trying to figure out how they're going to keep their businesses afloat. I want to restore dignity for seniors who are saying loud and clear that they want to stay at home comfortably for as long as possible. And I want to restore dignity for individuals struggling with mental health or addiction challenges. And lastly, I want to restore dignity for our indigenous brothers and sisters who enjoy a much lower standard of living than the rest of us. To those people I say, don't lose hope, change is on its way, you'll have a brother on the inside. You keep fighting the good fight, and an MPP Hicks will have your back. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Selden. Next up is Karen DeVinter of the NDP. Thank you. I would like to start by recognizing that we are on the traditional territory of the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation. I am grateful for their continued stewardship. I am running in this election because I am passionate about the need for change. I want to ensure that there is a better world for my kids in the future. To that end, I have dedicated my work and my volunteer life to public service and social justice. Affordability is the number one issue I hear about on the doorstep. According to Mike Crawley of the CBC, the unaffordable, unaffordability of housing in Ontario right now is one of the most pressing issues facing the province. The annual inflation rate is the highest since January of 1991. We have a climate crisis that is not being addressed and our healthcare system is under siege with COVID-19 resulting in cancellations of surgeries and delayed medical treatment. The Conservatives have not been helping the people of Ontario with these issues. We can help make things more affordable. An NDP government will provide assistance to switch to electric vehicles while regulating gas prices to ease in the transition. We will make policy decisions so that there are more homes people can afford. The NDP will make sure that we have a strong public health care system by launching a campaign to recruit and retain health care practitioners, including more doctors, and by increasing the funding to hospitals to keep up with inflation. The NDP will address the climate crisis immediately. This is backed up by policies that govern our platform. We will reduce greenhouse gas emissions to net zero as fast as reasonably possible. You can do better if you have a government that is on your side. On June 2nd, vote for the NDP. Vote for me, Karen Gaventer. Thank you, Karen. Next up is Danielle Vallecat from the Green Party. Thank you, Karen. 
I would like to thank the Grey Highlands Chamber of Commerce for hosting tonight, as well as all the candidates that are here as well. My name is Danielle Valliquette, and I'm a municipal councillor, a farmer, and a mother. As a municipal councillor, I quickly discovered that municipalities receive more tax money if they build too far up and too far out, leaving farmlands and wetlands devastated in the wake. You want an Ontario that champions smart growth within existing urban boundaries through gentle densification to give people more housing choices. My children and yours deserve a home that they can afford where they want to live. As a farmer, I see the destruction of farmland that we will never get back. The Ford government would spend billions on highways, paving over farms instead of taking real leadership and building affordable, healthy, and connected communities. We can create neighborhood-focused communities where we live, work, play, and yes, shop locally. But mostly, I stand before you today as a mother of three children and my grave concern for the world we are leaving them. Everything is not okay. The, there, this is not the Ontario that I want, the Ontario you want, or the leadership we need. We need an Ontario where mental health is health, and where mental health services are available to everyone under OHIP without outrageous wait times. And finally, the Ontario Greens are the only party with a real and honest climate plan, a plan with real solutions, one that slashes energy bills, provides incentives for electric vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is Vince Grimaldi of The New Blue. I'd like to thank the Commerce for everybody here. I see it's a full house, that's great. People that care. Uh, my name is Vince Grimaldi. I represent the New Blue Party um, of this riding. Uh, the New Blue Party was basically um, registered in October of 2020 by Jim and Belinda Carholas. Uh, we're the first party of this election to have 124 registered candidates in Ontario. Um, our, our platform is called the Blueprint. Um, basically, it's, uh, it addresses all the current mainstream uh, questions that most people have asked, um, offering basically solutions uh, necessary and it, to ensure province future of, is one of the hopes and opportunities, prosperities, and real voice for the people of Ontario. Uh, we're here to basically hear, hear your problems and try to find solutions to them. COVID-19 mandates, we're trying to get rid of them. Uh, complete repel of Doug Ford's emergency powers and um, try to basically um, look at restitution for people that were 
affected by COVID-19. Um, basically, we're here to make our province, our future, a lot better. Thanks. Thank you, Vince. Next up is Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. So I'm Joseph Westover. I was born in Kilsyth. No, sorry. I lived in Kilsyth, but I was born in Sound. So I do live in Kilsyth again. So I grew up in Kilsyth when I started, up to the age of eight. Then I went to Keppel Sarawak and moved up to Bass Lake. But um, then I moved away, became uh, a framer, started building houses, and then I started to pay attention to what was going on around me and realized that Canada wasn't free. That was back in the 90s. So we're way beyond what I saw then, now, with how the government's been going. I didn't vote in my life because there was nothing to vote for that I wanted. You know, like everything was the same pile and I didn't want it, so I didn't vote. So it was only till the PPC started that I voted. And in the same election that I voted, I became a candidate for the PPC in Mississauga. So now I'm running for the PPO, which is the PPC in Ontario. Same principles, but we're a little more focused, I think, in what's been eroding our nation. Um, we're about restoring things back to the spiritual and moral value system that Canada was built on, that you can see, you can see clearly in the Bill of Rights preamble. Um, free ind individuals, like free men, free institutions, the family is the basic uh, platform for our society and has to be respected and upheld. And uh, the supremacy of God actually has to be there to control the rules that the law makes. Otherwise, if you have a different God, you end up being able to sacrifice your children to the son, you know, if you had the God Baal, for instance, right? So the God matters, and uh, we need to get back to that. And we've got a ton of stuff on our platform that deals with restructuring Ontario back to um, prosperity. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Joseph. Next up is Rama Kakingen of The Independent. Or he is an independent. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Good day to be alive, eh? <laughs> My name is Reima Kaikkonen, and I'm running as an independent candidate. I live on the farm. I've been there in Southgate Farm 47 years, small business owner and pastor. I'm hoping that you would shout with me, saying no to the mandates and digital ID, no to the lockdowns, no to one world government, and no to experimental vaccines that are mandated quite forcefully. And yes, to respect in our constitution Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and yes to repealing the Bill 100 that allows government viciously punish those who peacefully protest and criticize government. That is very poisonous to uh, democracy. I, work too, I would work towards <coughs> hard 
towards finding common sense solutions for our high cost of living. I'm for less government interference in the marketplace, small, smart investing, wise spending, less taxes, and more opportunity for small business, small and mid-sized business. And it's also time for climate change spiritually, for I'm pro-life, pro-family, pro-freedom, pro-opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Rama. Next up is Rick Byers of the PC Party. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is great to be in Grey Highlands tonight. Thank you for attending the uh, debate. Thank you for the, uh, to the chamber for running it. For those I don't know, my name is Rick Byers. I'm the PC candidate in this election but I'm also the proud husband of your outstanding vice president of the Grey Highlands Chamber, Margot Byers. <laughs> Margot and I live on Bowles Hill, right across from Art and Isabel, and, and uh, we love it there. And we'll have been married 36 years come, come September. We have three boys, and, and, uh, and it's been terrific. I'm actively involved in our community here in Grey Highlands. I've been treasurer of the Legion across the way. It's in great shape now, being re refreshed. I've been on the board of the Southeast Gray Community Health Center, our great primary care clinic in town. I've been, I was proud to be a member of the multi-municipality tax force that saved Gray Gables from being sold. And for the last two years, I've been on the monthly 560 CFOS roundtable. So why am I running in this election? The answer is simple. I want to carry on Bill Walker and the PC government's excellent track record of getting it done for Gray Bruce. New schools in Hanover, Meaford, and one coming to Owen Sound. Daycare facilities in Durham, Holstein, and, and Tobermory. Broadband investments all throughout Gray Bruce. 958 new and upgraded long-term care beds in our community that's more than the 611 the previous government did in all of Ontario. And of course, our brand spanking new hospital coming to Markdale. Folks, those are the investments of Gray Bruce. Those are the investments, and that's why I want to run and keep that going. I look forward to your questions tonight. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Rick. Now we move to the second part of our program tonight, the question round, or the first round of questions, which are coming from the chamber members and the chamber board. So obviously the first question is gonna be about business to some degree. So question number one, the Ontario Economic Report of 2022 found over 60% of the businesses are experiencing labor shortages and expect to continue to face them over the next year. How do you plan to address these long-standing shortages that have been worsened by the pandemic? What are your plans to support the workforce of the future? So the first candidate up starting us off with this first question is Suzanne Cole of the Ontario Party. First of all, the Ontario Party, the first thing that we'll be doing is enacting legislation to return all of those individuals who have lost their jobs due to vaccine mandates back to their employment. 
Based on Health Ontario statistics, there's approximately 1,034,000 individuals unvaccinated in this province. If we do a reasonable estimate, we're looking at 571,000 of them are unemployed. Of that, none of them are entitled to collect EI. None of them are entitled to collect social assistance. And that's abysmal that the government is attempting to starve these people out. We will make sure that they get returned to their jobs. And we'll make sure as well that when you're looking at statistics, unlike the Ford government, that are fudging the numbers, because when you don't collect EI, you don't get included on the unemployment statistic numbers. Those are based on EI only. We'll make sure that we encourage everybody else to make sure that they get employment. We're going to remove all vaccine mandates for employment so that the other individuals who are not currently employed will be able to seek employment, that they're restricted from at this time. That's what the Ontario Party will be doing. That alone, being able to put another million people back into the employment pool, will ease the 60% burden that the employers are currently facing. Thank you, Suzanne. Next up is Selwyn Hicks of the Liberal Party. Thank you. An elected uh, Liberal government will give every worker access to benefits and 10 paid, paid days of sick leave. We're going to build towards a four-day work week, and we're going to support small businesses who were hit hard by the pandemic by eliminating their corporate uh, taxes for two years. And by the way, no registration fees for new enterprises, for new business enterprises. I read the economic uh, report of uh, 2022, and the shortage uh, is huge. Uh, and, and when I read the report, I see that the shortage was reported to be greatest in our area, 66%. And so I want to give a shout out to organizations like the Four County Labor Market Board, who do an excellent job of providing us uh, with relevant data that helps us to plan. We need to continue to support organizations like the Future Skills Center, the Sydenham Campus, and the Saugeen Economic Development Corporation, and of course, the YMCA. We need to address misconceptions about career paths like manufacturing, tourism, or skills trades. And we need more engagement, of course, with our community colleges who help us to train the individuals that we need for the workforce. Thank you. Thank you, Selwyn. Next, Karen Gewinter of the NDP. Where are the workers? We have the jobs. It's just another conservative failure. An NDP government will invest in post-secondary education so people can gain the skills they need to work. We will also increase the number of trades and shop classes in high schools to train young people for skilled work. We have lost many staff in healthcare over the past couple of years, and healthcare is the second biggest employer in our area, from Stratford to Bruce Peninsula. Many health workers are burned out with the stress and pressures from the COVID-19 pandemic. In spite of calling them heroes, the Ford government imposed a 1% limit on their wage increases, which is less than inflation. So it's the equivalent of lowering their wages. To stop this attrition, we will scrap Bill 124, which imposed that limit. We also will develop and implement a strategy to address the problem of violence against healthcare professionals. 
If elected, we will increase the minimum wage to $20 per hour so people can afford to work. Entitlement to 10 six days will help people remain in the workforce. We will provide targeted supports to help small businesses adjust. A $10 per day childcare program plus increasing the number of childcare spaces will allow some parents to get into or back into the workforce. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Next up is Danielle Veliket of the Green Party. Hi, thank you. So the Ontario Greens um, acknowledge that there's a climate crisis going on, but they also acknowledge that this is an opportunity. So the Ontario Greens would um, educate from a post-secondary perspective 60,000 students in the new climate economy. And not only would they pay for their post-secondary education, but they would also ensure that the first year that they got out of school that they had a guaranteed job. Additionally, we would ensure that um, you had 10 sick days. I think we, many of us saw over the course of the pandemic, people returning to work despite the fact that they were ill, be it COVID or other reasons, to return to infect other, uh, other workers. So the Ontario Greens would um, uh, bring a 10, uh, 10 sick days, pardon me. Additionally, as Ms. Gaventer uh, said, the Ontario Greens would support nurses by repealing Bill 124. This is the, the bill that um, keeps their wages at less than, sorry, at 1% per year. Additionally, we would support nurses and doctors by allowing doctors and nurses from other countries to come and work through a system in which they could become employed. Thank you, Danielle. Next up is Vince Grimaldi of the New Blue Party. Thank you. Uh, COVID-19 has affected all our supply chains and everything. Right now, the way we can, um, it, uh, the job marketplace, the pre-pandemic levers, we were in trouble before the pandemic. What we're proposing is to um, redefine how our school system is working, introduce um, more, um, trying to think of the word here, um, co-ops. Started them at an early age, get, get training for our skilled helps that we're losing fast and quickly right now. We have, the aging population is retiring. We need to get the new workforce in. Basically, we're gonna start working on uh, re-education in our younger people. For now, that's all I've got. Thanks. Vince, next up is Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. I agree a lot with uh, what the Ontario Party suggested about COVID and the people who are uh, suffering from the mandates and stuff like that and have been uh, 
put unemployment from it. So those would all be back on. Uh, we intend to do a lot of repealing of a lot of laws that contradict the bill and uh, the charter and some international uh, covenants as well. So we want to get back to being free. And part of the problem that people aren't working as well is social assistance. You know, you need to make sure that it's not easier to stay at home than it is to go to work. Uh, that's actually a detriment to our nation. And most of the parties here, uh, I would say the four at least normal parties here, are all about that type of a social system that we will only increase our inflation and our cost of living from if we rely on it. Just like we're seeing it happen today, everything is getting out of our reach from the middle class. We're eventually going to be all renting and never able to own. So we need to get back to building big business in Ontario, getting people out there, getting a good uh, workforce, um, make more jobs, make things look prosperous, and cut the cost of living for the average man. Um, not give him social assistance, but cut it so that what he's actually able to make, he can have the dignity to support himself instead of relying on government care. So, thanks. Thank you, Joseph. Next up is Ramat Kagan, who's an independent. Yeah. Thank you. I believe best governments can do is to provide opportunity for people to help themselves for life that they dream of. I know several families um, in Ontario, in this area, that have moved away to east and west because they say they have no hope of owning the house. That's a big deal for a family to get hold of their own house. And when there's no hope like that, it takes the incentive to really dig into work and save. So what government can do is to make sure there's opportunity to start building houses. We talk about that probably later, later on. But opportunity is what we need for small business. And now, of course, the COVID response to COVID COVID was that caused the damage. It was unconstitutionally taking the freedoms away. For example, it should be restated uh, right now to any nurses in the hospitals are no longer required to take vaccine in order to work there. And similar things to lessen government's hindrance of the economy. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Rama. Next up is Rick Byers of the PC Party. I've met with a number of business owners so far in this campaign, and this is a very consistent message I've been hearing. We're having trouble finding workers for our businesses. Clearly, COVID has been a major cause of the labor destruction, but I also heard about other factors. For example, I've heard that students are discouraged in schools from pursuing careers that get their hands dirty. We all know in Grey Bruce that uh, there are many fulfilling opportunities, whether in agriculture, mechanical or technical, where getting your hands dirty is needed and it's okay. PC government has committed a number of measures to deal with the labor shortage. A billion dollars annually 
in employment and training programs, replacing Ontario College of Trades with Skilled Trades Ontario, which greatly improves training and simplifies the process of getting a trade job. We've added trades to the school curriculum to encourage careers, uh, students to uh, pursue careers in trades. And we're making it easier for workers from other provinces in high demand fields to work in Ontario. These are very tangible measures and they will improve quality of labour. In fact, labour has been committing to the PCs, Boilermakers, LIUNA, IBEW and the International Union of Painters and Applied Trades all endorsing the PCs in the platform. We're going to keep this going. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Next up is Joel Laheed of None of the Above Party. Lowhead. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so um, there's a lot of absolutely terrible jobs out there, right? We see these numbers about all these jobs that are being created, and many of them are just not very good. Uh, Part-time, bad working conditions, no benefits, right? Um, benefits seem to be disappearing. I know from my generation that's a really big deal, um, and unfortunately they're just no longer there. So one thing that a government can do is incentivize businesses, both big and small, uh, to create benefits packages. If you want to attract workers to your business, you should probably make the work more attractive, right? I think that that's something that the government can step forward and do. Um, there's been a lot of very different ideas here presented so far, and I think that that's really why I'm running for the none of the above party, is what happens is everybody gets to Queen's Park, and uh, if you've ever watched Question Period, they point a lot of fingers and they shout at each other, and uh, four years later, not a whole lot has happened, right? We need a different type of government. We need a more collaborative and more cooperative type of government with politicians who are here in your riding, listening to you, listening to your concerns, bringing them to Queen's Park, working across party lines, and working to make sure that we have a better Ontario for everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. I think we have a rebuttal on this question one. No? Okay. Thank you. We'll move on to the second question in the first round. We know we can't have a strong business community without a resilient health care system. How would you bolster health care in Ontario? And secondly, what would be your approach to managing COVID to ensure we can sustain our opening and continue to build consumer confidence? So the first candidate that will be starting us off with this second question is Selwyn Hicks of the Liberal Party. So a Liberal uh, government, um, our plan says we're going to hire 100,000 new nurses, doctors, and other healthcare professionals. We're going to clear the backlog of surgeries that were created during the pandemics, and that means allowing um, our healthcare facilities to operate in the evenings and on weekends. We're going to set maximum wait times for surgeries because people are waiting far too long. We're going to make sure that everyone has access to a family doctor. It's a shame that in today's uh, world, people don't have a family doctor, and what do they do? They go to the emergency ward, and that costs us even more. 
We're going to make more mental health available to people. 3,000 new mental health and addictions professionals. 1,000 just for our kids alone in schools. We're going to reduce uh, the wait times for mental health. And we're going to have mental health workers along with our 911 crews. So you'll find mental health workers along with the police when they respond to certain uh, incidents. And lastly, we're going to have mental health workers in emergency rooms, where many of the people concerned end up. We're going to repeal Bill 124, which uh, says that, uh, you know, basically our nurses are, are heroes, but freezes their wage. That's not fair. And we're going to expand the role of pharmacists and pave the way for foreign-trained uh, medical professionals to have a job here. Thank you, Selwyn. Next up is Karen Guvinter of the NDP. Our healthcare system is broken. Funding has been cut by the Conservatives and by the Liberals before them, and our public system has been eroded. Our priority is to keep our healthcare system public. People in the United States who have the best private insurance can still lose their home if they get a serious illness like cancer. We don't want a system like that. An NDP government will invest in healthcare. We will restore hospital funding and make sure it keeps up with inflation. We will hire 10,000 more PSWs and 30,000 more nurses. Ford has declared financial war on nurses with Bill 124 at the same time as calling them heroes. Bill 124 must be scrapped so that healthcare workers can negotiate fair wage increases. We need to make sure everyone has access to primary health care providers, such as family doctors and nurse practitioners. The wait list for surgeries and procedures must be dealt with so people can stop waiting and start healing. COVID-19 has been a deadly force for those afflicted from both a health care, from a health perspective and economically. We must follow the science and accept the recommendations of the science table. The NDP has plans to financially assist small businesses with their recovery from the pandemic closures. Thank you, Karen. Next up is Danielle Veliquet of the Green Party. Thank you very much. So as I um, uh, hit on in my introduction, I believe that mental health is health. And the kids are not okay. Everything is not okay. I think the pandemic has shown the cracks in our system, in our health system. And I'm bringing up mental health again right now because it's so personal to me. As a mother of three kids, so my kids are nine, 15, and 17, and as they came through the pandemic and they were isolated and, and, and dealing with a world that was full of anxiety, mental health had to be paid for on a credit card. It could not be paid for via OHIP. Additionally, the, the wait times can be as long as 24 months for someone to see a mental health support person within uh, Bruce Gray Owen Sound. And as a, mom, as a mother and as a person within Bruce Gray Owen Sound, I think that that is absolutely ridiculous. Lastly, the Ontario Greens would absolutely follow the science and we would make vaccines available to ensure that our 
immunocompromised, as well as our seniors, are safe. And that's what will get us back to an economic, stable society. Thank you, Danielle. Next up is Vince Grimaldi of the New Blue Party. I think we're looking at a little more transparency with our healthcare industry. Um, I think we're going, looking at needing some private clinics or funded clinics, bringing, we need more doctors in this area. That's another issue that we're looking for. You can't, basically, we're looking at uh, rebuilding some of um, our healthcare industry in that way, where we're introducing more smaller clinics to handle the areas that are missed right now. Thanks. Thank you, Vince. Next up is Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. I think our healthcare is pretty important and something that's on the table that maybe nobody has really heard is that Trudeau is selling us out to the World Health Organization for the next pandemic. So is Biden and so is about 198 nations. So if another pandemic comes upon us, we will no longer have a say over what lockdowns we have over any party here in, in front of you, but Trudeau is selling us out that they will take over and they'll put, start putting lockdowns. They'll tell us who gets vaccinated, who doesn't get vaccinated, who can work and what all the situations are. That's coming in less than two weeks. 198 nations are joining it. So just so you know, that's something that I just found out about two days ago. It's been kept on the down low and it's coming for Canadians. And we need a party that's gonna stand against that stuff. As far as uh, Ontario healthcare, I don't know what I can do. I'll have to see the budget. Everybody here wants to make promises? Not making any promises. We'll have to see what we can do with the budget. You don't go and overspend and create more inflation. We got a lot of stuff to do, a lot of work to do in this, this place. I have no family doctor. I haven't had it for three years, okay? I know, I know the, the struggle. I know the wait times in hospitals are ridiculous. Nine hours in Barry, in Emerge, like it's a joke, all right? And this is because of the government we already have and have had for the last 30, 40 years. We need a new government, period. Thank you, Joseph. Next up is Rama Kakian as an independent. Rama? Thank you. <laughs> we want to take care of our elderly. After all, they built this nation to the point that this is the envy of the world. And uh, I think simply, Ontario government uh, has to find monies to increase pensions to the point that elderly can pay their way just like everybody else. And I know for sure that when you look, there's items that are no longer really relevant um, to this day and age if you go through the budget. And I think we can release billions. Thank you. Thank you, Rama. Next up is Rick Byers of the PC Party. Thank you. 
PC government is increasing health care spending more than any government in Ontario's history. Spending increased from $59.3 billion in 2019 to an expected $64.1 billion today. We're also proposing historic investments in hospitals, with an additional investment of $8.8 billion since 2018-19, which will add 3,100 beds to our hospital system. The 10-year plan will invest over $40 billion in healthcare infrastructure to create more capacity and address long-term bed shortages. Here in Grey Bruce, there are a number of exciting developments in the delivery of healthcare. Of course, I mentioned it earlier, our great new Markdale Hospital, which is coming. It's a very exciting moment that we'll all have next, next year when it opens. In addition, recent announcement of $6 million program through Grey Bruce Health Services to enhance access to addictions treatment supports in Owen Sound. Very important. As well, the new nursing program at Georgian College will generate additional nursing training in our own community so students don't have to leave to get an education. These are major health investments in our community and across the province. That's our approach to this important issue. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Next up is Joel Laheed of the None of the Above Party. Lowhead. Pardon? Lowhead. Low, low, it's pronounced lowhead. Thank you. Like, yeah, like my head is low. I got that all through childhood. Yeah, thank you. Though. There's a lot of lowheeds in Grey. Any lowheeds here tonight, actually? There's a lot of lowheeds in Grey Highland, so I understand the mistake. Um, so, first of all, we are all of us here, incredibly lucky to live in Ontario, which has truly one of the best public health care systems in the entire world. Um, it, really, it really is. And um, it is the government's job to continue to, to make that better, simply, right? And when we have shortcomings in our public health care system, the shortcomings are a matter of public funding, right? So what we need to do is make sure that the government is using the best ideas um, and looking at the, the best methods to increase funding to this world-class, enviable uh, healthcare system. Um, one thing that we can certainly do, right, is uh, give better conditions and better wages to nurses. Are there any nurses here tonight? There we go. Yeah, you deserve better than what you're getting presently. You, you absolutely do. Um, we also, it's true, we all live in, in small town, rural Ontario, and uh, it's hard to find a doctor. So the provincial government needs to be incentivizing uh, more healthcare professionals, whether doctors, nurses, clinicians, to go to small town Ontario. Everybody should have the right to have access to a family doctor. Um, and the way that we do this is not by bickering at Queen's Park, but by working collaboratively, right, across party lines to make sure that we implement the best ideas uh, and talk to the best experts and work cooperatively to make sure that we publicly fund our system. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. Next up is Suzanne Coles of the Ontario Party. Thank you. We heard from the NDP, the Conservatives and the Liberals that they're going to be hiring hundreds of thousands of new nurses and not one of them have addressed the thousands of nurses sitting at home because they lost their jobs in the last two years. Not one. The first thing the Ontario Party will be doing is reinstating every single healthcare worker that has lost their job due to the Ford government's 
completely unconstitutional vaccine mandates. We're going to get them back to work so that they're not sitting at home wondering how to pay their bills and they can get back to caring for people that they love to do. That's the first thing. As far as having one of the best healthcare systems in the world, that's false. In 2018, on the World Health Index, we were 10. We're now at 28. We've dropped significantly. The top 10 best healthcare systems in the world have one thing in common. All of their citizens have supplemental healthcare insurance to help them pay for extended healthcare. That covers things like natural health clinics, cancer clinics, nutritional clinics, osteopaths. That's what we are going to be doing, is instituting private health care so that we can have secondary health. Of note, during the pandemic, Owen Sound Hospital was shuttering down services. People couldn't get in for basic services like a mastectomy when they had cancer. And yet we continue to have breast, breast clinics open for people to get breast augmentation and plastic surgery. That's abysmal, and that needs to stop. And we will stop that. That's what the Ontario Party will be doing. Thank you, Suzanne. I believe we have a rebuttal. Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. Pardon? How long do I have? One minute. One minute. Mm, okay. All right. So we've heard uh, follow the science from a few people up here. There is no science. They don't have it. All they have is media pushing the same lie constantly. All right. That's it. Okay. It's a lying PCR test. The PCR test doesn't work. CDC ruled it out. And they're still using it and still promoting it as though it does something. We get false positives at it. We put it under tap water. It came out positive for COVID. Like, it's a joke. It doesn't work. And the guy who made it up even says so. All right? So we got to stop following their thought of science. It's the same as the climate change science. It just isn't there. Okay? Science will disprove it clearly that, that this stuff um, isn't real. All right, if you follow what's, what's uh, going on. Other, other than that, there's lots of laws showing that everything they're promoting with vaccines, it's absolutely unconstitutional everywhere across the board. They can't fire people over it, and it's all something you should be suing about if you did get, uh, deal with, or if you get, got affected by it. Thanks. I have another rebuttal, Suzanne Cole of the Ontario Party. candidate in relation to her health care mandates and the 30,000 nurses, I'm also wondering what the cost is going to be for their platform to bring in transgender reassignment surgery for children publicly funded. Karen, do you want to respond or? I'm sorry. I don't understand the question. <laughs> I'm asking what the, what the cost is going to be for the public to cover the transgender reassignment surgery for children as part of your platform. Minimal. It's very minimal. That's, there's not a lot of people who ask for reassignment surgery, and it really is not nearly as important as our broken healthcare system right now. We need to reinvest in our healthcare system. We need to invest in our nurses, and I've already said, get rid of um, Bill 124, hire more nurses, hire more PSWs, increase the, uh, the wages of PSWs. These are all what's important. Keep our healthcare system public so that we can have a system that we can use. Thank you. Karen. 
Okay, we're moving on to question number three. Housing has been a big issue in the news of late, and it's critical to attract and retain talent. It's also necessary for our seniors to access housing that addresses their needs. Can you tell us what you would do to increase the amount of housing in this area and in the province? So first up is Karen Guvinter of the NDP. Thank you. Home ownership is something that everyone could aspire to. It used to be something that everyone could aspire to. My daughter, who is about to leave home, goes out on her own, is worried that she may never be able to afford her own home. I'm pointing to her. The decisions that have been made by the Conservative government over the past few years have not slowed the rise in housing prices. In fact, Ford cancelled rent control on new units in 2018, allowing double-digit rent increases. We must bring back rent control to all rental units. We also need to make sure that when people move out of a rental unit, the next tenants pay the same as the people who moved out. An NDP government will build 250,000 new affordable and non-market rental homes. We will also extend the life of 260,000 affordable homes and create 60,000 new supportive units. We will help first-time home buyers with their down payments. With increased availability and accessibility, we can get the skyrocketing housing prices under control. Thank you, Karen. Next up is Danielle Valaket of the Green Party. Thanks, Karen. So we need homes, not highways. So the, thank you very much. So the Ontario Greens would do several things to ensure affordability across Bruce Gray Owen Sound as well as Ontario. So one of the things we would do is take speculation or investors out of the home market. Homes. Houses need to be homes for, not, for people. They're not for investment portfolios during a housing crisis. So there would be two new taxes. There would be a multiple home tax for everyone that had three or more homes, as well as a vacant home tax. Additionally, the Ontario Greens would remove the blind, blind bidding process so that the housing sale process was more transparent. Additionally, the, the Ontario Greens would streamline the zoning process so that we can make room for what we call the missing middle. So that's a, that's a word that is thrown around a lot. But really what that, the missing middle refers to are things like quadplexes, duplexes, triplexes, the things that first-time home um, buyers in particular can afford. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Next up is Vince Grimaldi of the New Blue Party. I think we have to fix our, our supply chain first. Make materials affordable to build new houses. Look at the tax structures of bigger corporate businesses that own prime building land and try to reduce their um, platform on how to make money with holding on to these big building lots where they get reduced taxes. I think they should be made that 
they should be able to, uh, we should be able to raise their taxes so they, we can free up that land to build affordable houses. Right now, um, the Niagara Escarpment, we've raised issues with them and we've raised issues with uh, the sogging conservation areas right now to free up some stuff. Thank you, Vince. Next up is Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. Well, why do we got a housing problem? One is cost of a house is over a million bucks generally in a lot of places now due to inflation. We gotta control the cost of living and that's what the government's gotta do. It's gotta be here so that Canadians can afford to live and have ownership of homes. Um, it's like $400,000 before the pandemic and now it's like a million two for a house. Like that's our government doing that to us. So we need a new government that's gonna take care of the cost of living for the common man. So there's a middle class that's gonna be sustainable. That's what has to happen. As far as building houses and, and uh, affordable homes for people to rent or, or such what the, the Green Party suggests, duplexes and everything else, what you're doing is starting to cram people into smaller and smaller places and call it ownership. It's not really uh, a Canadian environment anymore. So we like the open space. We've got the open space. It's here. We'd also disband the Niagara Escarpment uh, Commission if you had that in the questioning too. We wouldn't have any type of limitations on, on us there. We're gonna give uh, homeowners and the people of Ontario back their property rights. That's what we're gonna do. So, thanks. Thank you, Joseph. Next up is Rama Kakian, is an independent. Rama? Let's get the small house builders, mom, pa house builders, building everywhere. I'd say we should, we should change the land use in a way that the landowners, rural landowners, farmers, on the side of the roads only, could severe lots off on the side of the road and then lease them for 99 years. So eventually they would come back to the farm, land would be not lost permanently, but the, their children and their extended families and on the market, they would quickly increase supply of housing. Now, in these areas, the rural housing is getting more and more desirable all the time. And there just isn't really not much to, um, on the market to buy. So let's start building and let's work on those restrictive um, building regulations that are making it very expensive even to get started and very slow in Ontario, especially I hear from builders who have built in other provinces, it is very hard in this province. So let's get working on that supply and the prices will come lower with the supply. Plus the high interest rates also will start working in our society. Thank you. Thank you, Rama. Next up is Rick Byers of the PEC party. Thank you. At the end of the day, the biggest issue fueling the housing crisis is not enough homes. That's why the government introduced legislative, regulatory, and policy change 
to help us build new homes, and the approach is working. Over 100,000 new homes started construction last year, the highest in more than 30 years. And we'll continue that with 150,000 per year for the next 10 years. I know it's a lot, but they're needed. Part of the question related to the Niagara Escarpment Commission, we do not need to dismantle the Niagara Escarpment Commission. In fact, while building more homes, we've actually added to the green belt in the last four years. Cooperation with county and municipal governments will be important in getting housing built. I attended Ian Boddy's uh, mayor's luncheon in, in Owen Sound the other day, and the mayor talked about Owen Sound having 2,500 homes either in approval or construction. And, and he talked about the densification, and that's what will happen, and, and Danielle mentioned it as well. That's how we need to build new homes, to use existing infrastructure for water and sewer. I will work with municipalities in Grey Bruce to help them achieve their own goals for increased housing and, and help business attract and retain talent to our great Grey Bruce community. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Next up is Joel Lawhead of the None of the Above Party. That's better? That was, that was, yeah, that was better. That was much better. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah. So first of all, um, affordable housing is a human right, right? Uh, everybody should be able to aspire to purchase their own home reasonably in Ontario or be able to pay their rent. I think that, that much is, is clear, and that's the Ontario uh, that we want. Um, one provincial lover of control here is, and it was mentioned by one of the other candidates here this evening, uh, is to crack down on um, wealthy purchasers, whether individuals or corporations who are buying up multiple uh, houses and keeping them vacant simply because it's a good return on their investments. So that's something that we can that we can all work together to stop at the provincial level. Um, and as I was listening to the answers here, I found myself agreeing kind of with, with many of the, the, the fellow candidates. And I guess, again, that's why I'm here, um, because I want to offer a different type of vote, um, one where you have a voice at Queen's Park that listens to the best of the ideas, despite if they're blue or red or green or orange. So somebody who is willing to listen and cooperate and, again, listen to you, uh, the people of Grey Bruce Owen Sound, I think most importantly. And um, pertaining to the Niagara Escarpment Commission, uh, we never need to relax environmental regulations. Um, that is simply going to make us all poorer as a province. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. Next up is Suzanne Coles of the Ontario Party. The Ontario Party will be introducing sweeping urban planning reform, which would allow homeowners to build two to three unit residential properties in areas that are normally for single family use. We would introduce as well an Ontario-focused foreign purchasing ban so that investors cannot be purchasing Ontario homes. We'll also be securing the same right to immigration policy as the province of Quebec, and we will use these to adjust settlement rates in areas that cannot support new immigration because we don't have enough housing. For Gray and Bruce counties, I would be looking specifically at a lot of the units that we have sitting empty, particularly industrial complexes that are sitting empty with no use. Those can be converted into affordable housing. We have units sitting in Markdale that are sitting empty, 
because nobody can use them because the landlords have extensive work to do that they can't afford. Government grants and loans to assist them to get those units back into compliance so they can be utilized. And I would look also at having all new multi-residential buildings have a certain percentage of rent geared to income to support those who are struggling with rent. Thank you, Suzanne. Next up is Selwyn Hicks of the Liberal Party. So the Liberals are going to establish a new Ontario Home Building Corporation to finance and build affordable homes. In total, we're going to build 1.5 million homes over 10 years. That's going to create 150,000 new jobs in the building sector. We're going to place a tax on homes that are sitting empty, especially those owned by non-Canadians. And we're going to put a, a ban on non-resident uh, ownership. We're going to introduce a use it or lose it uh, uh, system where developers who are sitting on lands ready for development and are not doing it, they're going to be taxed. Uh, in terms of zoning, we're going to end exclusionary zoning policies and allow homes with up to two, um, three units or two stories to be built as of right. We're going to provide funding for municipalities to provide more supportive housing with wraparound services for those who really need it. And we're going to get rid of ministerial zoning orders. Ministerial zoning orders, by the way, thank you, because it has been abused by the Conservatives over the last 15 years previous to the Conservatives, the Conservatives have multiplied in their four years ministerial zoning orders by 300%. Thank you, Selwyn. We have two rebuttals. Um, I'll start off with Joseph Westover of the Populist Party and then Danielle Delicat of the Green Party. So we've heard funding and funding and funding. Where are they getting the money from? How are they going to build one point? How many houses was that? With all the, and it's like, they don't know what their budget is. That's a promise that they can't keep. They can't even make it, honestly, legitly. So there's that, that problem. Secondly, we have a problem with immigration. We have a prime minister who's raised us from 250,000 per year to 450,000 per year coming in. That's Nova Scotia every year coming into Canada. And they're going to solve it by building some houses. We need to stop the immigration first off, all right? Not altogether, but we need to lower the amount. It's actually sustainable for us to, to manage. And uh, there was another point. Oh, yeah. They love to violate your ownership of property. The right to own property, it's fundamental. You don't get to tax it because you own it and don't use it. They, they want to tax it. It's not appropriate. It's absolutely not Canadian. Thank you, Joseph. Next is Danielle Valiquet of the Green Party. Thank you. Um, the Ontario uh, PC party would like to solve the housing uh, crisis by just increasing stock. And I, I think that that is because that's an easy thing to get up here and say. It's hard to say we should create a tax on multiple homes. It's hard to say we need to get rid of, rid of the blind bidding process. The easy thing to say is we just need more houses. 
I would also like to point out that the PC party, despite this uh, part of their platform, actually has fewer homes, fewer starts this year on their budget. And last but not finally, I, uh, I, maybe it's because our last names are, are missaid uh, frequently, but I'm Team Joel today. We need to keep funding for our NEC and our conservation authorities. That is what is going to protect us. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. We're moving on to the next question. Local individuals are waiting eight months or more to get into public long-term care facilities. Families are being told to hire private services. However, government funding goes toward the public facilities, while private facilities do not receive funding. Are we creating a two-tier system of senior care and what can be done? So starting this off is Danielle Vallecat of the Green Party. Thank you very much. Um, so absolutely not. The Ontario Greens would under no circumstance privatize healthcare. And I think all we would have to do is look at the outcomes during the pandemic. Uh, Mr. Westover told a very heartwarming story the other uh, last week about his father and, and one of the um, outcomes, unfortunately, of him. And I wouldn't want that to happen to anybody's father. I would not want anybody, because they were in a long-term home, be it private or public, to have any of the outcomes that happened during the COVID um, pandemic. So Ontario Greens absolutely would not support private health care. What we would do is allow seniors to be in their homes for longer with their children if that is what they wanted. Because we know that not only is that, does that make more economic sense, but we also know that that has better outcomes for our parents. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Next up is Vince Grimaldi of the New Blue Party. Um, this boils down to more clinics, more uh, established private sector housing or um, healthcare institutions. I think we, we're, we need to implement more of it, closer to bigger, the smaller communities and address it that way. Thanks. Thank you, Vince. Next up is Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. I forgot the question. Need eight months or more to get into public long-term care facilities. Families are being told to hire private services. However, government funding goes towards the public facilities, while private facilities do not receive funding. Are we creating a two-tier system of senior care, and what can be done? I think there is uh, absolutely that's being done. A two-tier system is being done. Uh, the problem, again, I have is every time somebody says to fund, I'm going to say, I don't know the budget. Do I want to fund it? Do I want to get nurses and healthcare and everything up and running? Yeah. And if we got the budget, we'll do it. 
but we're gonna do it without creating inflation. So that's really what it is. I need to see the budget before we start doing it, and I think we should certainly start funding the private stuff. I don't see any issues with it at all. So, and make them equal. That's it, thanks. Thank you, Joseph. Next up is Rama Kakian, an independent. Thank you. Again, I would trust the private industry. You say two-tier, but if private industry is let loose with the right environment, they'll do actually a good job. And we would have way more beds. And government possibly could subsidize, in certain cases, the uh, elderly who cannot afford it. But if they are getting more money already, which I'm suggesting that they should be getting, then they could afford to pay their way also in uh, private or um, public care. So two-tier system has been implemented in many countries, and it does work. By my, I used to uh, live in Finland. I'm first citizen, in, born in there. And they run two-tier systems, also in healthcare, which is actually exemplary system, one of the best in the world, public and private together. If you are in a rush for your hip surgery, pay for it. That takes you out of the line and gives an extra base. And it works. Same with this. Like, you know, where's the, all the money coming from that government is spending? Like, you know, how come it's just dispensed? We're already pro, practically. Half a trillion dollars for this 15 million people province. It's outrageous. So back to frugality, and let's take Thank you, Rama. Next up is Rick Byers of the PC party. Thank you. There have been huge investments in long-term care in Grey Bruce community, in our community over the last four years. Grey Gables, Rockwood, uh, Rockwood Terrace, Meaford, Hanover, Owen Sound, and Lion's Head all invested hugely. 478 new beds, 480 redeveloped beds for a total of 958. And that compares to 611 beds, as I said at the outset, from the previous government did for the entire province in seven years. This is a great investment profile. Uh, and a great credit to Bill Walker and the PC government. I was pleased to be part of the multi-municipality task force that helped save Grey Gables from being sold. Province-wide, we're investing $6.4 billion to build 30,000 new long-term care beds. And these are historic investments. It's not a two-tier system, in my opinion. We're working with all partners across the sector, for-profit, not-for-profit, municipal operators, and getting shovels in the ground. What matters here is that there's a universal level of care, irrespective of ownership. We have a comprehensive plan that uh, for the care of investments through these 30,000 new beds and increasing daily care to four hours and comprehensive and effective inspections. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rick. Next up is Joel Lahed. I'll get it right. You were closer before and we're, okay. we're regressing. Yeah, we're working, None we're of the above back. party. Okay. No, thank you. We'll go with that. Okay. 
One more time, it's Joel Lowhead. I know it's, Lowhead. A, it's a bit of a silly name. Um, so, um, yes, we are creating a two-tier system, and it's unfortunate um, because we know that uh, private, for-profit, long-term care is simply worse, and public long-term care is simply better. And we know that because you were almost twice as likely to die. Seniors were almost twice as likely to die in private for-care, uh, or private for-profit long-term care during uh, COVID-19. It's almost twice as likely. We know it's a worse system. We, we need to be doing better than that. Um, so I believe strongly in publicly funded long-term care. And uh, again, I believe that the way we achieve um, good public care and good public systems in Ontario is by having a government that works together for the people, works for the constituents, listens to the constituents, listens to you, uh, listens to seniors, and again, collaborates and cooperates and works together at Queen's Park to make sure that we have the best public health care system, the best public long-term care system for our seniors in the entire world. It's absolutely achievable in this province. There's no reason we can't achieve that. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. Next up is Suzanne Coles of the Ontario Party. from all the parties talking about how many beds that they're going to put in or how many beds they've already put in, but the beds are useless if you don't have staff to take care of the patients. The beds are just sitting there empty. We have hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of staff people who have been let go over the last two and a half years because of the COVID mandates, and that's why people cannot get into long-term care. There's no staff. The people who are in long-term care, and I know this because I've talked to hundreds of people across this province in regards to their loved ones in long-term care who are being locked in their rooms for days at a time with no visitors. Visitors, family members who are defined as caregivers are prohibited from entering in to assist. They should be in there helping to relieve the nurses who are overworked. They can be doing care, feeding, and things that need to be done, but they're not allowed to get in. And that's why we have a problem getting into long-term care. I recently spoke to an individual whose mother in her late 80s never smoked a day in her life took up smoking just so she could go outside because the only people allowed visitors and outside were the smokers. That's disgusting. I would look at providing grants and loans to assist family members to take courses in elder care and grants and loans to help them retrofit their homes so that they can keep their loved ones at home with them so that they know they're getting proper care with supplemental nursing care coming in as required to keep those seniors in their homes as long as possible. That's Thank you, Suzanne. Next up is Selwyn Hicks of the Liberal Party. Thank you. If we learned anything from the pandemic, it's that there needs to be change to long-term care. The statistic says that about 95% of seniors asked said they wish to stay at home for as long as possible. I think that statistic is wrong. It's I think it's 100%. I haven't met that one person yet who has told me I can't wait to go to long-term care. But we know that some people will need to go there. And so liberals are going to reform elder care in Ontario. And in-home care is going to be the cornerstone of our plan. We're going to provide funding for any senior who wants to stay home they'll be able to do so. We're gonna provide funding for them to retrofit their homes and provide the proper supports that they, that they need. 
And at the same time, we're going to revamp the model for long-term care to smaller, more community-based homes that resemble a person's own home. We're going to put an end to for-profit long-term care. And to make things more affordable, we're going to boost seniors' pensions by $1,000 more per year. Thank you, Selwyn. Next up is Karen Guvinter of the NDP. More than 4,500 long-term care residents in Ontario have died of COVID-19, and three-quarters of those were in for-profit facilities. Doesn't this tell you that for-profit long-term care is not the way to go? Why have the Conservatives rewarded them with 30-year license extensions? This is wrong. An NDP government will transition the long-term care system to a not-for-profit and public homes and create 50,000 more spaces, including the staff, to end the wait to, to get into these homes. The money goes into these homes will be put into the care for residents rather than lining the pockets of the owners. We need to hire thousands of more PSWs and make their jobs full-time and better paid. We also need to implement a minimum of four hours of hands-on care immediately. The NDP has been calling for this for years. Another thing we can do to alleviate the pressure on long-term care system is to overhaul the public home care system. This is a win-win situation because home care puts less financial burden on our system than long-term care, and most people would rather be in their homes longer. We will end the for-profit, understaffed patchwork of home care companies that make seniors wait for care. Thank you, Karen. We have a rebuttal by Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. I think from the conversation I've heard, I'm all ready to be old. Like, not even a little bit. I don't even want to approach it. Nothing about it's attractive. You know, we got funding and more funding from the other side of the room. Uh, no idea where it's coming from yet, but we're going to be able to fund it. We've got beds that were made under the PC government, and then we got everybody fired who works them, right? So, I mean, I don't know how they can claim anything good in that at all on, on both sides. It just doesn't, doesn't seem feasible. So I think you should really pay attention to the argument coming on. And I think really what should happen is, why don't we ask the elderly what they need? And we'll represent that. Okay. Thank you, Joseph. The next rebuttal is from Karen Guvinter of the NDP. Just um, wanted to comment on the funding because I've heard a number of times, oh, where's the funding coming from? The fact is that the government takes in money and spends our money and spends money. We need it to spend money on our homes, on our health care, on our roads. That's what it does. The question is, how is the money going to be spent? And that's what we're talking about. The money is there, but are we going to use it to line the pockets of the buddies of the government? Or are we going to invest in the people of Ontario? That's what the NDP stands for, to invest in people like us. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Next question. The Ministry of Education has turned down a proposal to increase the size of the new school build in Markdale. As an MPP, would you take a lead and focus on rural school builds 
to accommodate the migration of urban to rural Ontario. So this question to start it off is Vince Grimaldi of the New Blue Party. Repeat the question, okay. The Ministry of Education has turned down a proposal to increase the size of the new school build in Markdale. As an MPP, would you take a lead and focus on rural school builds to accommodate the migration of urban to rural Ontario? I would, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you, Vince. Next up is Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. I don't have much else to say, but if, there's, if the funding's there, yeah. Same thing. Like, I see no issue with it. Okay. Thank you, Joseph. Next up is Rama Kakian, an independent. Of course, we have a growing community. We have city people indeed coming in, and they need schools. Of course, we had to find one funding again, but let's eliminate some spending somewhere again and find a place for that money in this community. Thank you. Thank you, Rama. Next up is Rick Byers of the PC Party. Yes, I would also fight for this. But add, um, as an example, in the last four years, we have had fantastic growth in our schools, in our community. Um, and new schools in Hanover, replacing the John Diefenbaker, uh, in Meaford, the Georgian Bay Community School, and St. Mar Mary's and Owen Sound, investment coming. So whether it's all over, the, all over the community or in our own community, I will work hard as your MPP and get school investment done. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Next up is Joel Lahead. Lahead, I'll get it yet. None of the above party. Lowhead. Okay. Thank you. I, I love. Thank you so much for for that, guys. For your support on this, I really. You guys are. Yeah, you guys are getting it. I appreciate that very much. So, uh, leading up to this this evening, we were given six questions, and uh, that I, I didn't receive that question. I don't know. From the audience. Oh, this is from the audience. Got it. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Who asked it? Who asked, hands up, who asked, there, yeah, great question. It's a really good question. So um, like our uh, public health care system, our public education system is incredibly good. I went through the public education system. I imagine most people here in this room this, eve uh, this evening went through the public education system. Um, and again, where there are shortcomings in public education uh, always is a result of a lack of funding, right? The money is, as Karen mentioned, the money is there. It's how we allocate it, right? And we should absolutely be allocating uh, generous amounts of money to our public, our, our public school system. Are, are there any teachers in this room this evening? There we go. Like, like nurses, I think that teachers are overworked and underpaid. I think that that's true. Um, so absolutely, I think that uh, we need to be investing in the public school system um, heavily and generously and continue uh, making sure that we have one of the best public school systems in the entire world. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. Next up is Suzanne Coles of the Ontario Party. Children are 
our number one priority with the Ontario Party, so absolutely we would be supporting the funding of schools. However, parents are becoming more and more dissatisfied with the education system in Ontario and are opting for homeschooling and charter schooling. Part of the Ontario platform is to provide a voucher-based tax situation for parents so that they can choose how to wish spend their education tax portion, whether they choose to do it, whether for homeschooling, charter schooling, private schooling, or public schooling. So any funding that goes to any particular municipality or area for education would have to be done on a case-by-case -case basis, depending on how many parents in that area are homeschooling or using other resources. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. Next up is Selwyn Hicks of the Liberal Party. Thank you. So the short and direct answer to the question is yes. Ontario Liberal Plan would review the school funding formula from top to bottom, and we're going to ensure that it meets the needs of rural and remote communities for those students and educators. We're going to reserve, excuse me, we're going to reverse the Ford Conservatives' budget cuts to after-hour school programs, and we're going to return to the concept of schools being treated as community hubs, which is so important in rural and northern communities. The conservative budget, or if you want to call it plan, I don't know which it is, shows that they took $1.3 billion out of education in the last year. Those conservative cuts hurt our students when they need it the most. Ontario Liberals are going to reverse those cuts. We're going to cap education classes in schools at 20, and we're going to invest $10 billion into repairing schools and building new schools. 200 new schools, in fact, and 4,500 schools to be renovated. Our plan to invest in schools will be fully funded by cancelling Highway 413. Thank you, Selwyn. Next up is Karen Gewinter of the NDP. Um, first of all, I would think that the migration of people that's referred to in the question uh, from urban to rural areas can be predicted, so um, that we should be investing in those schools. The problem really, though, is a systemic problem. The rural schools have been threatened, if you remember, um, not just with not getting expanded, but with closures a few years ago. The Liberals were in government for 15 years and then the um, Conservatives for four years afterwards with this funding formula that is broken. It is not working. We do need to fix the funding formula. The Liberals and the Conservatives had to have their chance and didn't do it. The NDP has been calling for it. We would fix it with the students, parents, uh, education workers and experts in consultation and we would make sure that there was a comprehensive public review to be completed in one year so that this funding formula can be fixed quickly and we can make sure that our rural areas have the schools that we need. Beyond that, we also would fix the backlog and repairs. We need to make sure that we look after our students and um, our future. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Next up is Danielle Veliket of the Green Party. <clears throat> Sorry. So rural schools, I think everybody in this room knows it, that rural schools are the hearts of our community. And I think the other thing we all know here is that the funding models do not work for our rural schools. Our schools have greater poverty, 
than uh, urban schools. Our schools require more ECEs than urban schools, and our schools also require more, and I would argue, in-school mental health resources than other schools. So absolutely, the funding model needs to be revisited. And so one of the things that have been asked tonight is, how are we going to pay for it? We, well, we are not going to tax our lower and middle class. We are going to tax families who have an income of over $200,000 per year. And we are going to ask them to pay for the more vulnerable within our community. Take a little bit more of what they have and spread it out. And I think that is so important in our rural schools because we have seen over the pandemic, we have seen an increase, like I said, in mental health requirements. So the other thing I just want to touch on really quickly is the greens would cap sizes, we would increase ventilation, we would increase infrastructure, and we would say no to mandatory online learning. Thank you, Danielle. I have a rebuttal from Rama. You know, although new school, um, I would work hard that they would initiate the Lord's Prayer in our schools again, in this area especially. And I hope that would spark the whole country to do the same. Because this nation, this province, have been blessed massively by the Lord's Prayer when millions of students, teachers, lawmakers pray and initiate their day with that awesome prayer. You want to join me? <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Rama. Okay, the next question. How will you incentivize the retention or immigration of skilled labor for this region. So to start this off is Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. Sorry. I didn't hear the question. Okay, sorry. How will you incentivize the retention or immigration of skilled labor for this region? Um, honestly, I, I'm not sure. I think I'd probably start like uh, by trade school bringing it into our high schools and getting people into that. Um, I don't really know that I, I'm not really for outsourcing in the community. I'd rather take from the community. So I'd rather make our own, you know, and build some tradespeople. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what we need to do. And I think we need to do that everywhere in, in Canada, honestly, to make ourselves independent of foreigners or whatever else that we're attached to at this time. So I think our communities can do it, and I think uh, it won't be too hard to do either. So we won't have any retention if we do that. So, thanks. Thank you, Joseph. Next up is Rama Kakian, The Independent. You're next up. About the uh, immigration? Yes. The retention? We have a, we have a shortage of skilled uh, labor in uh, certainly uh, trades. If there's a corporation that is willing on their expense, um, finance and uh, support, sponsor 
the emigrant from some other country who has those specific skills, they could apply that expediting possibly their permission to come. Um, yes, we need them, but uh, we should search high and low in our own community first. Thank you. Thank you, Rama. Next up is Rick Byers of the PC Party. So, I mean, there's elements of what we talked about earlier on labor for this important question, and it's a great question. How do we get skilled people in our community? I mean, I see three parts to it. Number one is a number of the things that this government has done in labor, and I mentioned them, employment and training and skilled, um, and skilled trades area, getting it back in the school curriculum, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's important stuff. We would need to keep that going and make sure that it's working with our businesses. Um, that's number one. Number two, do innovative things. The Georgian College Nursing Program, uh, very great idea. Skilled and trained nurses in our community. And that'll mean they don't have to go away for the education. They've got a better chance of staying here in our community. Keep that kind of thing going. And um, number three is NPP. I'd, I'd get people together in, in, and talk about how we, I'd, I'd heard about the school system disincenting you know, trades. Let's get our educators together with our tradespeople. Let's get people together in a room like this tonight and talk about it. How do we solve this problem? So great ideas when people, you know, emerge when people come together. So that's what I do uh, ultimately to make sure we solve this together. So thank you. Thank you, Rick. Next up is Joel Lowhead of the None of the Above Party. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Last time's the charm. Um, this, is, this is an interesting question, and it's a big question, and I don't think uh, that there's going to be any one answer to uh, a question this complicated, right? I mean, uh, first of all, affordable housing, if you want to attract anybody to any region, they need to be able to live here, right? They need to be able to work here. Um, and uh, so being able to provide affordable housing in this region is going to be f first and foremost. And um, how we go about doing that, right, is the greater question. And I've actually, I, I think that um, there's been good ideas across the board here from all of the candidates, remarkably. And again, that's why I'm here um, representing none of the above, because I want to see a type of government where you have MPPs who listen to the good ideas across the board, right? Whether they're liberal, whether they're conservative, they're green, they're NDP. You deserve a government that is working for you and listening to you and collaborating for you. I wasn't able to vote this election, I don't think, as I didn't feel like that's the type of government that we have. And so here I am, none of the above on your ballot. Thanks. Thank you, Joel. Next up is Suzanne Coles of the Ontario Party. If we want to attract and maintain skilled labor in our communities, we need to be supporting small businesses. It's the small plumbing companies, the small contracting companies, the electrical companies that are going to be employing the local individuals. 
Unfortunately, though, we're dealing with the Ford government who likes to support his cronies, the big business. For example, we've got a small fiber optic company in Gray County who has several employees would like to expand, but they could not bid on the fiber optic contracts in order to be able to get high-speed internet up here. Because in order to do that, Ford's cronies required a minimum of a $50 million deposit on bidding. It's cost prohibitive. So what happens? Rogers and Bells gets it. And they're bringing in employees from other areas such as Oshawa, Innisfil, and other jurisdictions. These are skilled people that we should be hiring in our community, not bringing in from outside so that the government can not only pay their wages but their living expenses while we're sitting here struggling. That's what we need to do. We need to put a stop to supporting big business and start supporting small business. Thank you, Suzanne. Next up is Selwyn Hicks of the Liberal Party. Thank you, albeit for me to stand up and defend the Conservatives, but that was not an accurate figure. I just have to tell you that. I know a thing or two about broadband. I sit on the Swift board. That's not an accurate figure. But back to the question. We need to address, I said earlier, we need to address misconceptions um, about certain career paths, paths like manufacturing, tourism, skilled trades and farming. We need to work more with our community colleges, and that's already been mentioned by one person here, but I can't em emphasize that more. Uh, we have examples like the Marine, and the Marine Training Program at Georgian College, and we lobbied for several years, and we were able to get a full four-year uh, four degree granting program in nursing right here. That's the kind of thing we need to continue to emphasize. And we need to uh, extend regional immigration pilots, which we already have, and to bring more immigrants to rural areas like ours. And by the way, when we get them here, we need to create an environment that's more welcoming uh, for them so that they will stay. We need those workers. Um, you can, uh, we need to demonstrate to people that you can work where you ordinarily come to play. Thank you, Selwyn. Next up is Karen Gewinter of the NDP. Uh, there's a few things that we can do. One is to uh, make sure that high schools have more trades and shop classes. That would introduce the students into the trades with hands-on experience. It's unfortunate that uh, there's too much emphasis right now on university. University's great, I have a university degree. But there needs to be an emphasis on trades as well, that that is just as good to go into. An NDP government would support small businesses, small and medium businesses with procurement and services. And we also would need to make sure that experienced tradespeople and workers hold the majority on the board of the new Skilled Trades Ontario. We would work with the tradespeople who know the best how to recruit and retrain and they get their help to bring in new people and retain the trade, skilled trades. Thank you, Karen. Next up is Danielle Veliket of the Green Party. There's been a lot of great stuff uh, talked about, about retention and attraction uh, to our community. Um, I just want to share a little story. Um, last week, 
after the debate, I went home and I couldn't sleep. And that's not uncommon for me. I often go through what I could have done better, what I could have said, what I should have said. And one of the things that I wish I had said, and I'm gonna say it now, is we are all from away. Thank you. And I welcome anyone to this community. Everyone has something to give. Everyone, I am sorry, but some of the things that have been alluded to and hinted at today do not jive with my personal values. And I just feel compelled to be able to sleep tonight. So I wanted to share that all with you. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Next up is Vince Grimaldi of the New Blue Party. I'd like to uh, get back to common sense. Common sense tells you that high school should be pushing students into trade schools. We should use our local businesses, uh, fund them to do more co-op with our people that want to learn these trades. We need bricklayers, we need carpenters, we need technicians, we need, there's, we, we're, there's so much that we need that we have to use all our resources here. I think we should be using our local businesses to train these people and fund them. Thank you, Vince. Looking at the clock, it's gonna be time to move to closing remarks. And starting us off is Rama Kakian, the Independent. It wasn't a question, Rama. It's your closing remarks. Oh, closing. Thank you. Why do I run as an independent? Independent uh, representative doesn't have commitment to other entity than his God and you. There's so many examples in the past that representatives are not voting um, according to the wishes of the constituents. There hasn't been a no peep in very critical questions out there in Ottawa, federally, and same thing in, uh, in our Queen's Park. So if you uh, trust me with this um, task, and challenge to represent you, take my uh, black and white leaflet, and if you see me um, deviating from my principles in that booklet, you can hold me accountable. Thank you. Thank you, Rama. Next up is Rick Byers of the PC Party. Well, thank you, Karen, and, and thank you to the Chamber for organizing tonight's event. Thank you to fellow candidates for, for coming out and, and, and showing your stuff. And we've had a good discussion. And thank you all for being here and for great questions and your commitment. Um, it's been terrific. 
Um, I, I will start off with a very quick uh, public service announcement. So I was knocking on doors in Fosheter and in Markdale today, and people were concerned that advanced ballots could not be cast in Markdale. I confirmed that they can, okay? So even though these cards say you have to go to Hanover or, no, all over the place, um, you can, I love Hanover, okay? <laughs> you can do advanced polling in Markdale starting Saturday the 21st to the 28th. So that's not, anyway, want you to know that. Look, I, tell, I said at the beginning that the reason I'm running is I want to carry on Bill Walker's hard work in this community for getting things done in long-term care and education and, and hospitals. And, you know, Bill's here with us tonight. He's at the back. And I want to acknowledge the great service you've done, Bill, to our great community over 10 and a half years of very hard work. Thank you, sir, for everything you have done. That's the thing that scares me most, is the size of the shoes that he's leaving. Uh, but, you know, and, and truthfully, the Markdale Hospital would not have happened without Bill's hard work. And that's really inspired me to step in and, and carry on and get stuff done. Government's tough, and especially in a kind of a divided society we have. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to listen. I have two of these and one of these. I'm going to use them in that ratio. I'm going to work with our community, work hard with you, and get stuff done. I'd be honored with having Thank your support. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. Next up is Joel Lowhead of the None of the Above Party. Nailed it. Thank you. Um, again, so thank you all for uh, being here this evening. Thanks very much for, for hosting this, and thank you to the other candidates uh, for coming. And um, again, the reason I'm here is uh, I've actually heard, I think you've all heard, good ideas from at least most of the candidates here this evening, right? Um, not every candidate, but most of the candidates here this evening. And so um, the reason I was, I was grappling with whether or not I was even going to vote in this election is I'm just so tired of the way that our politics works in this province. I'm tired of the party lines. I'm tired of the way that Queen's Park is divisive and argumentative rather than collaborative and cooperative, right? And that's, I think, that's the type of government that I want to see, and I think that that's the type of government that you want to see. And I think that's the type of government that's best going to serve Ontarians. So, um, you know, like me, if going into this election, uh, you felt like you couldn't vote for any of the above candidates and you didn't feel good about it, then again, I'm here to give you the option to mark on your ballot none of the above. Thanks very much. Thank you, Joel. Next up is Suzanne Coles of the Ontario Party. And as, as my friends over here have indicated, I want to thank everybody for attending today and uh, participating with us. I greatly appreciate that, and thank you to all the can candidates as well as the uh, moderators. Thank you very much. I just want to point out that we've seen a lot of changes over the last couple of years, but I think the most important thing we've seen in government is the Ford government's conservatives and their apparent idolization of Trudeau and following all of Trudeau's commands. It's as if Doug Ford is red wearing a blue jacket. And I want to commend Mr. Walker as well, and I want to note something interesting, that 19 out of the 76 
MPPs that were sitting, 25% decided not to seek re-election. And I think that that potentially speaks volumes about their dissatisfaction on where the Conservative government is going. And I think anybody who's voting for the Conservative is voting for the Trudeau Liberals. And it's very concerning when you look at the support that they're getting. The Ontario party is a true conservative party based on true conservative roots. And we're the only party that would be able to effectively work with the federal conservatives since we share so many similar concepts, principles, and ideologies. And that's going to be really important to bringing Canada and Ontario back to where it needs to be. And I want you to think about something as well. You know, I may not have political experience and may some, maybe some of the candidates do in municipal, but just remember that amateurs built the ark and professionals built the Titanic and we know what happened with that at the polls. Vote for Coles. Thank you, Suzanne. Next up is Selwyn Hicks of the Liberal Party. So thank you again to the organizers for putting together tonight's events. It used to be that if you worked hard and played by the rules, Ontario would have your back. But supports haven't kept up with the times. Voters have a choice. We can keep rewarding the 0.2% who are the richest, or we can ask them to join the fight against poverty and make sure that no one gets left behind. Ontario can be a place to grow, but only if we make the right choices. We need to rebuild what's always made Ontario strong. Education, healthcare, public services that support working families. They're all key to a better future and economic dignity for our families. It's your choice. We can build a province that works as hard and cares as much as you do. And in Bruce Gray own sound, you have a clear choice. I've said this before, you have a choice between very nice, perhaps well-intentioned individuals, or a candidate with experience, like an MPP Hicks. And again, I don't say that to be pompous. I say that because with the exception of my green friend, who is a very nice person, <laughs> I'm the only candidate with the experience in a political arena getting results that make a difference. As warden, you saw me pulling together people to address tough issues like affordable housing, rural broadband, and mental health and addictions. I'm not just running on a platform that says, elect me and I'll do this or that. I'm running on a platform that says, elect someone with a proven track record for getting things done. I'm going to keep doing that. Thank you for your attention this evening. Thank you, Selwyn. Next up is Karen Guvinter of the NDP. Thank you. I too would like to thank the Chamber for organizing this event. I want to start by uh, mentioning just a couple of things briefly. Uh, we agree, the NDP agrees, that we do need broadband connectivity to serve the rural people. The NDP would treat mental health care as if it is part of health care. The brain is part of the body, so why wouldn't we? We would bring mental health care into OHIP and expand the funding of therapists and counselors. Next thing I just want to mention is that Tommy Douglas and Canadians fought hard for our public health care system. We don't want a two-tiered health care system where only the wealthy 
can have good health care. We want to make sure everybody has access to good quality public health care. I too need to sleep tonight, as referring back to uh, what Ms. Nolkett mentioned. And we haven't heard a lot about the climate emergency, but we need to take it seriously. We need to get to net zero as fast as we reasonably can. We need to invest in electric vehicles, and we need to retrofit buildings. We need to deal with this climate emergency so our children and grandchildren have a habitable planet to live on. And as far as collaboration, we agree in the NDP that we need collaboration. And one of the ways to get that is mixed member proportional representation. And if you don't know what that is, okay, you do know what it is. If you have questions about it, feel free to talk to me after, the, after this event. So we can have a better Ontario for all of us. On June 2nd, please vote for the NDP. Vote for me, Karen Gaventer. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Next up is Danielle Valiquette of the Green Party. Thank you. I'd like to uh, thank the Great Highlands Chamber for um, organizing tonight's uh, event. I'd like to thank you all for, um, for coming out and, and spending a Wednesday? <laughs> Wednesday with us tonight. Um, I'd like to thank you, Karen. It's a tough gig to do, so well done. Um, and I'd also like to thank all of the candidates uh, here as well. This isn't an easy thing to get up in front of all of you and talk about the things that we uh, care about. Um, so uh, thank you uh, sincerely to each and every one of you. The Ontario Greens um, have a lot to bring to the table. And I would like you to consider what over the last four years, Mike Schreiner has been able to do as the one green MPP at Queen's Park. He is constantly punching above his weight. And now what I'd like you to think about is if there were more green MPPs at Queen's Park and what that would mean for a better Ontario. The Ontario Greens have a climate plan that is just as much about climate as it is about the new climate economy. We have a path towards balance and we have a fully costed platform that is asking those of us that have a little bit more to look out for the more vulnerable within our communities. Thank you, and I ask you to send me to Queen's Park on June 2nd. Thank you, Danielle. Next up is Vince Grimaldi of the New Blue Party. I thank you for all coming out. I thank the Commerce for putting this on. Um, closing remark here. Um, Thank you for watching me stumble through some of the answers. That was a, a treat for me, too. Um, common sense, voice your opinion, is what I'm looking for. We can't fix everything, but we're going to try to. We can put a good chunk in it, but we need your help to do it. Speak up. Thanks. Thank you, Vince. 
And the last candidate to give closing remarks is Joseph Westover of the Populist Party. Well, I'm not a politician, so I'd like to thank everybody for being here anyway. <laughs> um, I don't think we need politicians. I think we need the general people to be running in every part of government to get it back to where it needs to be. We actually need to represent ourselves, and that's what the Populist Party of Ontario is. It's just a bunch of people, just like you, who are fed up with how things are going, and we want to take it back and bring it back to the people and have us and our will recognized so, and represented. So that's what we're about. Um, I encourage everybody to look at our platform online, populistpartyontario.com. It's pretty easy. Um, I think you'll like what you see. And uh, mostly it's about restoring us to um, maybe about two generations ago um, in principles uh, and how the government functioned and how it listened to the people and represented us. And we're going to cut out globalism altogether and bring back our sovereignty. And we'll be making the decisions of what goes on in our, our nation and our provinces. So thanks. Vote Joe for the PPO. Thank you, Joseph. And on behalf of the Gray Highlands Chamber of Commerce, thank you, everyone, for a great night together. To the candidates for sharing their platform and their personalities and their views with us. And to all of you in the audience for coming out and being part of an important civic duty. To the team at Leaking Ambient Studio for mastering the sound for us tonight. To the volunteers, the chamber members, and otherwise, thank you for helping us to make tonight happen. Now please, enjoy some time to mix and mingle with your friends and your candidates and enjoy the goodies at the back of the room. Thank you. You've been listening to a special episode of the In Grey Highlands podcast, a current affairs podcast for and about Grey Highlands in Ontario, Canada. This is a Between Seasons episode covering the Provincial All-Candidates meeting in the June 2022 election. The host for this episode is Karen Cox. Please visit ingreyhighlandsthisweek.ca to view the show notes, leave a comment, and listen to extended material. You'll also find links to our social media presence where you can engage further with the show. Our score is skillfully composed and generously provided by Al Halliday of Arkham Dispatch and Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Thanks to all the participants in the All Candidates session and the crew from the Grey Highlands Chamber, who no matter which level of government, consistently provide a great public forum for our local politicians. The show is produced by the IGH crew and the quality of this special episode's recording is the work of our associate producer, David Tonks. Our setup for this event was accomplished by our other producers, Jeff Bowes and Ron Barnett. Shout out to our friends at the Owen Sound branch of Long and McCade, Steve Meacher and Andy Elliott, who always go above and beyond in helping us. Tim Riley is the supervising producer at the mighty Leaking Ambient Studio in Flesherton. In Grey Highlands is copyright under a Creative Commons 
Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. I would wonder what I 